This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. Hello everyone, I'm Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs and the host of Vegas Rock Dog Radio. On today's show, I'm talking about how you can find a qualified force-free trainer. So, stay right there. The host, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs, and this is Vegas Rock Dog Radio. We're a rock and roll show all about pets, people, and pop culture. In studio with me today, I only have Miss Thornton because Mr. Twix is down at the groomers, and I've got Mr. Jim, who's producing the show. Once again. Here we are again. It's a big show today, so we, we're not going to do too much chitty-chitty-chat-chat prior to the topic because it's a very big topic, and it's one that's important, and it's one that can be very confusing for people, and that is how to find a legitimate dog trainer. And uh, a lot of it is going to be, um, you know, checking some registries. Uh, I'm going to give you some tips and tricks, uh, let you know what the, the uh, red flags are, and also uh, just to let you know that you do need to use your gut instinct as well. I think that's really important. But before we do that, let me tell you how you can find us elsewhere on the internet. We, of course, have our website, vegasrockdogradio.com, and you'll find us on Periscope, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. We have a blog, and the blog is therockandrolldog.com. And uh, if you miss a live show, which is a shame sometimes if you miss it when it's live, because you never know what's going to happen, then you can find it on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spoke by SiriusXM, Spotify, and pretty much any podcast app that you use on your phone. Just search Vegas Rock Dog Radio. It's quite easy. So there you go. Now we've got all that out of the way. As usual, we always have a busy week, don't we, Jim? I mean... Yeah, they're, they just go from one to the next sometimes. They just, well, they do. <laughs> I guess but that's how they go anyway. That's really. how they go, but they fly by. These weeks absolutely fly by. I just want to tell you one little piece of information. I've got a friend who's uh, going to have a positive forcery reinforcement training show on a big network, Jim. So when that, all those details come out, ooh, ooh. I'm so thrilled because it's about time we had we had something that was current <laughs> in regards to dog training. So that kind of dovetails into what we're doing today. Talking of dovetails, we're not so much doves. The quail, oh my gosh, we, we've always had quail at the back of our garden. They're thriving, aren't they, right it's now? The Jim? summer of quail. Seems it's, like they're everywhere around where we live. They're adorable. And twice a day, they hop on the wall between um, our house and the neighbors. And there's a whole family of them. And they trot along. Well, they don't quite trot because they have to hop over the little holes in the top of the wall. Mm. <laughs> but it's lovely to see them. And they look like they're in really good good health too. But it's very nice to see that, the nature. We love the nature. But uh, yeah, they're an unusual looking bird, aren't they, Jim? Yeah, they're awesome. Okay, so let's get on with today's topic. Today's topic, as I say, is a big one. How to find a dog trainer who is certified and only uses force-free methods. Now, there are many factors to consider, like I said earlier, when you're looking for a dog trainer. And I was already working on this show before, you know, 
before today because it's such a big topic. But while I was walking, working on this show, there was a horrific video that surfaced here in Vegas of a trainer using a baseball bat. He was shouting, uh, helicoptering over, over a dog, intimidating the dog. And on top of that, he was using a shock collar. That poor dog was pancaked out on the floor, absolutely terrified and paralyzed. Um, and I was surprised to see that the news actually did show the entire video, which I was very happy about because I think people needed to really see the reality of someone who is not a trainer. That is not a trainer. Um, it was a board and train place with unqualified people uh, using aversive methods. And, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. It's, it's abuse. I mean, that is animal abuse to do that to a dog. And who knows how long the dog had been there. I mean, to be there 10 minutes and endure that is horrific. I mean, and most people drop them off two weeks at a time, sometimes longer than that. And it's uh, it was a bad situation. And... I say, I'm glad they showed it because people started to react to it and people were outraged. There were, of course, people that used shock collars, choke and prong collars that were defending it. It's outrageous, to be honest. It's completely outrageous. But it was, it was all, all, all during this, you know, me researching for this show that this came along. I thought, well, now's the time, people. Let's get this finished and get this out there. So I'm going to help you find a certified trainer, one in four free methods. Um, I'm going to explain why board and train, a board and train facility is not a good choice. Uh, demystify what aversive, force-free and balanced method tra- uh, methods of training are. Tell you about what I call the tricky Mickey deceptive verbiage to look for on websites. Uh, what questions you need to ask. Where you're going to go online to check for a certified trainer. Which organizations you're going to look at. And how to find out if, there's a, if they're a legitimate business. Because, you know, if you're serious about your business, you'll have everything in place. And those red flags when asking for information. And um, if they won't disclose how they train and with what they train with. Which I have a, an interesting little interaction to share with you. Uh, where to look for reviews. I mean, reviews are never the first thing you want to look at. After you've done all of your homework, then then you're going to check out some reviews. Um, and why you should question your friends, your vet, your groomer, and your pet store owner when they recommend a trainer. Uh, how to figure out how aversive trainers are masquerading masquerading as positive reinforcement trainers. That's happening a lot. They're picking up on, on the positive trainer verbiage and using it, even though that's not what they are. Um, what kind of uh, training equipment you need to stay away from and ask uh, how to ask them if they're CPR and first aid certified for animals. That's important. And uh, you're also going to ask yourself, do I really need a trainer? (laughs) And I'll tell you what that means. And uh, how to follow your gut. So important. And as I say, some of those tricky words that these trainers like to use um, for the shock collar, you know, for example, TENS machine, remote collar, e-collar. Oh, it's just a tap. It's a stim. It's a nick. It's a page. It's just a little bit of pressure. They don't feel it. So we're going to cover all of that as well. So let's just start by describing the different methods of training. And there are many philosophies. There are many philosophies. But these are kind of the main ones you're going to come across. Aversive, unpleasant, and negative. So aversive training is unpleasant. It is negative. So if that's not a turn off without me even explaining it, I don't know what is. But aversive is something unpleasant that is used to suppress or diminish an unwanted behavior. It can be, and this is a short list, it can be a loud, scary sound, a physical correction, as in a yank on the leash, pain from an e-collar, choke, or a prong collar, bark collars, shouting at your dog, startling your dog, hitting your dog, holding its mouth closed, depriving your dog of food and water, spray collars, squirting water out of a bottle, throwing bean bags, throwing heavy chains, yeah, some trainers do that, uh, shaking a can of coins, or just showing a shot collar to a dog who has previously been hurt by the collar, and then helicoptering over your dog. So that's intimidating them, staring them down, alpha rolls, scruffing your dog, hitting your dog on on the nose of the newspaper, rubbing their noses in wee-wee and poo-poo, jabbing and poking your dog, making a dog hold a stay in a very frightening situation, like leaving a dog in a patio in a thunderstorm and thinking, you know, they'll learn to not be scared of it. So if it's emotional or it's physically unpleasant, it is aversive. It's a huge list. Not that list. That's a short list. There are tons more to add to that list, but the list is very, very long. Now, there are people who will say that these methods work. And yes, they do. But at what price? And are they even necessary? And does it really give you the result you're looking for? So think of it this way. You start a brand new job and you're not given any training on what to do. 
you're only told what not to do. <laughs> so every time you get it wrong, you get chastised, you get told off, you get punished, but you still have no idea what it is they, you're supposed to do because they haven't told you what to do. They just say, don't do this when you do something they don't like. So what you do is you're based on your experiences. Uh, whatever you're punished for, you, you avoid at all costs, don't you? You will try it. Well, I won't do that again. But it could be something else that's still wrong and you get punished for it. So it's important that we do train our dogs to we tell them what we want. We tell them what we want, not just no, because huh, what does that even mean? Um, and who wants to be punished? And it leaves you helpless and it leaves your dogs helpless and it doesn't give you any choices because you haven't learned anything other than to avoid the very unpleasant thing. So there you go. And imagine if you're just emotionally, you, you know, you, you're very scared of doing the wrong thing. It makes you paranoid. It makes you paralyzed. You know, you're fearful. And the same kind of thing is going to happen if you do that to your dog. So it's like that with aversive training. You're not showing your dog the desired behavior. You're only punishing the undesired behavior. Your dog has no idea there's another way. So what's happening is you're abruptly stopping or suppressing a behavior, but you're not changing it at all and saying, this is the preferred thing and this is where we get rewards. With aversive training, it's just no, you know. So, and there's just no, there's no cue or any idea that's required and and the punishment often just feels like it comes out of the blue. So how can you expect your dog to understand that? And it is a vicious, and I mean literally a vicious cycle. And all the while, the, the aversive trainer or the person who uses this type of training, they do tend to become very empowered because they, they truly think they are training their dogs. They really do, but they are doing it through fear. Um, and this type of training, pain is the motivator. Uh, let's not make any bones about it. Pain is the motivator. And if I was a dog, I'd avoid pulling on a prong collar or a choke collar. Absolutely, I would to avoid the pain. But you may perceive that as, oh, it's working. It's working. No, your dog's avoiding the pain. And studies have shown an increase in aggression in dogs who are trained with, with um, what they call positive punishment and aversive tools. <laughs> Anything, I tell you the word positive, uh, pos uh, punishment, negative, aversive, you know kind of need to stay away from that and of course with any of these things that these types of trainers use these prongs chokes and uh, electric uh, collars there are alternatives to these painful very painful collars uh how about a harness and they're going to tell you oh it encourages pulling but it actually doesn't and physiologically it's much better for for the dog so and this is why you know I have a big issue. If you've been presented with information that these types of training tools harm your animals, I will say this, you are willfully harming your animal. And and I call that abuse. So if you continue to use, use these tools and these methods, knowing and you've been presented with this information, then you are willfully harming an animal. There's, you just, there's no arguing about that. Now, you're going to hear about force-free positive reinforcement training, which, we, which is what we do. Um, and what you're doing is you're adding something to increase the desired behavior, something good. So giving more of the good stuff to reward the good behavior. And when we say good stuff, it can be food, treats, toys, games, praise, whatever is of high value to your dog. So, you know, you know what motivates your dog. Some dogs love, love to be motivated with food. Some really, really love the tennis ball. So that you figure out what it is that your dog really likes, and that's the high value reward that they get. And positive training has been shown to change dog behavior more effectively than any kind of punishment training, because dogs are fast learners. Showing them what to do, giving a reward for the correct response, helps them make the right choice time and time again. Another fab way of this type of training is clicker training. You've probably heard of clicker training. And all kinds of animals can be trained with clickers. And for example, when your dog you know, does the desired behavior, you click, treat, and praise. Eventually, the click and treats are phased out of the training where your dog nails that behavior. And of course, you're making it tons of fun. They, they learn very quickly. Ah, I did this. I get that. And I like that. And so it becomes easier over time. Now, here's the one that I think people get most confused about. Balanced trainer. Now, balanced dog training involves the use of both reward-based te te techniques and aversive consequences. The trainer shows the dog that their, their choices and behaviors can result in either pleasant or unpleasant results. That's a thumbs down for me. So but, is this like a deceptive term? It's deceptive. Oh, it is deceptive because, oh, because we think balanced, balanced. It, it, you know, balanced, you think that, that sounds like a healthy thing. 
it's balanced. You know, it's got a little bit of everything, but it's got some things in there we don't want. And that is the punishment side of it. Um, so, you know, you think about a, a balanced diet. It sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, but it doesn't apply to a balanced trainer. And it's rare that you'll get a trainer to say that they use aversive techniques, of course. Even through their website, you can clearly show show you what they're doing, even if they won't write, you know, won't write it down in text on their website. And often they'll say they're an R plus trainer, which is a positive reinforcement trainer, and they'll mention the use of alpha roles, for example, on their website. Well, those two things don't go together. That is still a balanced trainer. Um, so I am seeing this trend with aversive trainers and balanced trainers using the term positive, force-free reinforcement training because they are picking up on the buzzwords that sound good, but they're not that type of trainer. And you can piece that together quite easily, as I'm going to tell you throughout the show. Well, let's talk about shock collars because, oh, I don't even know why there's even a debate about them, to be honest. But I do want to highlight that it, it is. And if a trainer recommends using one or shows up at your house with a shock collar, run a mile or kick them out of your home. Um, I've had a few friends get suckered into this tactic of pulling one out of the bag where there was never any discussion of a shock collar. And, you know, they were mortified. I mean, absolutely mortified. So uh, this I pulled, I think you'll like this description. It's a very good description from um, the Shock Collar Coalition. Shock Collar trainers have several names for the shocks that they administer through the collar. Now, let's not forget, it is called a Shock Collar, shock. We are shocking. And if you look at the manufacturer's description, it, it delivers a shock. <laughs> let's not, you know, let's not say it's anything different. Even the manufacturers write that on there. They'll, so they'll use the words a tap, stim, nick, a page, a static, um, an application of pressure. Um, and it does, and like this on the website, it sounds like something short and relatively benign. Even the word shock, although it is much more negative connotations, and that's why they don't, trainers don't use that word. Um, it sounds like, oh, it's something brief. You'll get over it. You know, it's just like when you, you know, shuffle your feet on, on the carpet and you get a, you know, a little electric shock. It's unpleasant, but it's over. Well, that's not the case. What many people don't realize is that in many types of shock collar training, the electric shock is on for much longer periods and it is used at a higher level. In the initial training sessions, it's turned on and left on until the dog figures it out. Sometimes with very little effective information from the trainer, what the dog is supposed to do to get that, get it to turn off. So that's a great description, I think. Um, to understand what a shock collar is, I, I feel, it, and to still willfully use them, you are, you are purposely hurting your animal. And when we say abuse... People think abuse is, I kicked a dog, I hit a dog. Oh, no, 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 no. It can be screaming in your dog's face. That's abusive. That is abusive. So you will need to find out if they're a legitimate business. I'm, And I'm certainly not saying this. I'm not saying, oh, because they've got a business license, they're a great business. No. But I think any professional who cares about their business will legitimately be registered as a business. So it would be a red flag if they weren't. Um, as I say, Having a business license does not equate to being a certified trainer, nor a good one. But we want to make sure they are working uh, legitimately. And you can check their business license with your local government business office or check their LLC with the uh, Secretary of State. And then you're going to start looking for some, some red flags. Be aware of the red flags before you start even asking questions, yeah? <laughs> so um, here's what happens a lot is they won't, they won't you know, disclose their training methods, even if you ask them. <laughs> so uh, I have an interesting um, interaction. Let me see if I can find the interaction. And these are the kind of interactions I have when I'm doing all of my research. And it's very, very interesting. But basically, the first thing you're going to do is run on over to their website and read their about page. If they say they're qualified, look for their credentials. If they do not list their credentials, cross them straight off your list because any legitimate trainers put their time and money and commitment in place into getting certified will display that certificate proudly on their website. If they say they have 30 years training experience or a team that has 150 years of collective training, which means absolutely nothing, by the way, strike them off the list because, again, they're not listing who they are certified with. 
Uh, and, and here's my question. You've been 30, certified for 30 years. Why haven't you gone to get some education and some credentials in all these years? Because do you think training was the same five years ago? Do you think training was the same 30 years ago, what, in the 90s? <laughs> no, it's not. So similar to the 30 years experienced people who have come from other sectors of the animal world, veterinarian assistant, volunteer at the shelter, just the fact that they've also been working with dogs their whole lives does not qualify them. It doesn't mean that they're qualified. So you have to bear that in mind too. Now, if you ask them questions and they've already given you the answers again, strike them off your list. Not sure um, what I mean by that. Well, here's that interaction. It's a really, it's a real exchange I had on Messenger with a local trainer. And it was shortly after this video had popped up, the abusive video. And it wasn't the company in question. But I was, I say, researching this show and sending out emails and stuff to try and get information. So this is what I wrote. I said, and it was very simple, it's a very simple, um, uh, let me find this, it was a very, very simple, hang on, uh, oh, here we go, here we go, and I laugh, but it's also sad at the same time, good morning, I said, would you mind providing me with some info, I visited your site and it wasn't live, do you use shock, prong or choke, choke collars in your training and which accredited organization are you, are your trainers certified with, thank you very much. So I got the, you know, the autoresponder about getting back to me. And then they sent me a link to their website. They said that we use all kinds of training tools and the most modern training techniques. That was my first red flag. Visit our Facebook page. You'll see I work in the videos. We use a lot of positive, positive reinforcement or clicker training. I said, oh, hi, thanks for getting back to me so quickly. I'm looking through your site and I just can't see where your technique tools and credentials are listed. Would you mind providing me with that info or a link to your site if I've missed it? Thank you. And then I also say, I'm going to hop on over to your Facebook page and look at those videos. Um, and then he said, he came back and he said, I don't think I have that information on my site. You can call this number and ask for so-and-so and they'll provide you with all the information you need. And she can book an appointment for you. So that was a bit premature, wasn't it? It's a bit, a bit advanced. Usually we're not asked for our credentials. And I thought to myself, really? Um, unless it's a major agency like a casino, police department or another government agency. In your first session, we will provide you with all that information, including our licenses. So I replied, is there a reason you only provide that info to emergency agencies and not uh, to these agencies and not the public? I'd well like that info prior to any session. And the reply was, I guess nobody has asked for that before. The only one I'm obligated to is the private investigators licensing board. And he gives me a number. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. Can I get the info from the PILB? So sure, you can ask them. There are very few companies in the state of Nevada with a canine license with PILB. It's the only agency allowed canine training. But many companies, even though they are training personal protection dogs, they do it without a license. Now, now you see where we're going here. I just asked a very simple question at the very top of the, the message. Now I'm being, you know, given information that I don't need and I didn't ask for. I said, great, thank you. And then... He came back again. He said, oh, you can also ask in the United States Mondioring Association. Ask for my name and the owner of this business. And, of course, you can check with the state business license for, for, the name of, uh, for my business. I said, oh, thank you very much. And then he came back. And I was surprised because I thought I would have been ghosted entirely by this time because I just was not giving up. The majority of our clients are referrals. That's why we don't do much advertising and our website is, isn't updated. We know that there is a disturbing video that was released in, in that video where the owner of blah, 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 is abusing a dog. Due to the similarity of our business names, we've received bad reviews and calls from people who are confused by similar by similar the similarity of the names. Hope this information helps. So as you can what's see, what's Mondioring? Uh, it's you know those uh, like those canine trials and stuff, which is not training. <laughs> it's just strange. And it, so you can see from there, I've asked a simple question at the very very top of the message, and I still didn't get the information. And you know, I just couldn't understand, like, why won't you give me that information? You know why? Because they're not certified. They're not certified. And I was not confused with the other other organization. And yes, I did fully check them out and all their videos and their aversive trainers. And I, I, and I think it's absolutely outrageous that they would say that they use positive reinforcement and clicker training. I think it's outrageous because I don't care it. If you if you only do clicker training and everything else is aversive, that does not make you a positive reinforcement trainer. 
period. So that's that. And my gut, it made me sick actually having that conversation because it was like, really? Just a simple question. Why can't you answer it? You know why? Because you can't give me those answers because you're not qualified and you do use those techniques and those type of training tools. So there you go. So that was, that's a, that's a prime example of the kind of interactions that I have when I'm doing research for the show. You should have seen the responses I got when I did the, the show on pest control. <laughs> I don't think I was very popular that week. So um, you can see how that goes. And I'm sure you just listening to that, you thought, Ugh, really? Of course, I'm not going to train with you. I'm certainly not going to book a session. On that note, let's take a quick break because we've got a little bit more to cover. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure we piece all this information together for you to make it really easy to find the right trainer. So you're listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio with me, Sam, your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs, and we'll be right back. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com dogs now. That's myalphacbd.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio with me, Sam, your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs. And we're on to part two of how to find a positive force-free trainer for your dog. So that example prior to the break, laughable and sad all at the same time. Um, so they're the kind of things that you're, you're going to come up against for sure when you're actually <laughs> looking for trainers. Now, what you do need to look out for and be aware of, alpha roles, pack leader, dominance, show them who's the boss, guaranteed results, uh, and the mention of tools, but they don't actually listen on the website. Those are all a big no-no and a big red flag. Uh, they also, um, you know, if they offer, you can leave your dog with us, we're a board and train. No, board and train, you need to be with your dog. Sorry. No board and train. You need to be with your dog when you train. Because guess what? You are the primary trainer. The trainer is assisting you and your dog. You're not assisting the trainer. This is about your relationship with your dog so that you can train your dog. So you've got to be present. And I would only ever want to be present. I would never walk away not knowing how my dog is going to be looked after. I would never do it in a million years. And it doesn't make sense to have someone else train your dog and then all of a sudden like deliver the dog to you and think it's all going to work great. And a lot of people will say, I did board and train. I picked my dog up. It was never the same dog. I had a very fearful dog. So that tells you what happens in these types of places. Uh, So it's not a recommended, uh, it's just not recommended. You've got to be with your dog. And I say, you know, what happens a lot in these places, they may not mention shock collars, prong and choke and all that stuff, but often they'll stick them on your dog's neck when you leave. Sometimes that happens in daycares. Did you know that too, Jim? I had no oh, idea. Oh, yeah. On daycares, they put collars Sometimes on dogs? Sometimes they do. Yeah, it's not right. Do we know of any out here that do that? Uh, I'm not going to say. Mm. But that's something you need to look out for. You do need to look out for that. If you see a change in behavior, something's not right. Something is not right. Um, 
And so you've got to be careful of these alternate words that they'll use. It's a TENS machine. No, it's not a TENS machine. <laughs> Who would use a TENS machine for rehab when it shocks the heck out of you? No one would do that. But they'll, you know, they'll call that shock collar the remote collar, the e-collar. And as I say, they'll say, oh, it's just a little bit of pressure. They don't feel it. Well, if they don't feel it, how the heck does it work? Is it, are they, is it, are they, do they have to be telepathic? What is this? You know, so some of these, these responses are, ridiculous i mean there's no other way to say it they're ridiculous and they're not fooling anyone um okay so here are some questions you're going to ask who you're certified with and i'm going to give you some resources for that a little bit later uh, you can ask them do they follow the lima or hierarchy of dogs model now lima is 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 it stands for least intrusive minimally aversive model and all you need to ask them, are you using the hierarchy of dogs' needs? And that is a unique adaptation of Maslow's hierarchy of human needs and was created by the fabulous Linda Michaels, um, who has a degree in psychology and um, in animal psychology. And she's absolutely incredible. And this is a unique model of wellness and behavior modification. And uh, the dog's needs are listed. So I'm going to, it's a pyramid. Imagine the pyramid. So we're going to go from the bottom all the way up. Biological needs is proper nutrition, fresh water, sufficient exercise, air, sleep, indoor shelter, safety, temperature control, gentle grooming, and gentle veterinary care. And you, you need to make sure that all of this is inclusive in your dog's, dog's life. Uh, emotional needs, or your cat, emotional needs, security, love, trust, consistency, benevolent leadership. And we're moving further up. Social needs, bonding with people and dogs, and playtime. Then we move up. Force-free training needs, do no harm management and learning. On the top is cognitive needs, choice, novelty, problem solving. So all those things that need to be included in, in your dog's life. Now, here are some other questions. So, that's, so you're going to ask, are you Lima or are you the hierarchy of dog's needs? Because you want the hierarchy of dog's needs. And of course, I will make sure there's a link to, to this, the pyramid so you can see that. You're going to ask, are you licensed, insured and bonded? Well, you need, any normal business would be doing that. And what methods of training do you use, which we've already covered those? Are you first aid and CPR certified? Because they should be. You know, if, if they're going to work with you and your pet, they've got to be certified in those for your dog. Then you need to ask, will, will, it, will it, I be involved in the training and my family be part of the training in order to have, to have consistent training and communication? So, for example, the entire family will use the same word for the same cue so as not to confuse the dog. Yeah. And if, if they don't include you or the dog, strike them off your list or your family. Sorry, you or your family. Uh, you'll also ask, are you a board and train facility? Do, uh, do I have to leave my dog with you? And just as I mentioned at the beginning of the show with the video of a trainer with a baseball bat and the shot collar, um, never leave your pets at a board and train facility. You just don't know what's going to happen. Um, you and your dog are the focus of the training. You must be present. Um, but you also have to make sure your dog is in, in good hands. Uh, there are far too many stories of these board and train facilities where they abuse dogs in various ways. And they're expensive. And they're very distressing places because you've disappeared. Where are you? It's a horrible position to put your dog in. And they are typically closed to the public, so you can't just show up. Often they don't have 24 cameras in the entire facility. You can't log in and check what's going on. And I'll just stress one more time, you need to be with your dog when you train. <laughs> um, ask them, will you be asking me to fill out a questionnaire about my dog's history? Because it is important that they learn as much as they can about your dog so they can find out what motivates your dog the most. So you say training can be tailored towards your dog. You know, my dog loves food. Great. We're going to use food. We can use treats. If they don't want to provide that or ask you for that, again, off the list because they obviously don't want to know enough about your dog. Um, then this is always good when you're, you're dealing with people, especially over the phone. Are they good at listening and communicating or are they avoiding answering some of your questions? And do they try and give you info you didn't ask for, like I did on that me one messenger situation? And, you know, do you feel like they're giving you fluff and filler? <laughs> is it all fluff and filler just trying to, you know, bump it up when it's not, there's nothing there, there's no substance? Do they put down other trainers? You'll get that a lot as well. If they put down other trainers, again, strike them off your list. And do they judge you when you ask your questions? Do they make you, do they belittle you? Do they make you feel like you don't know what you're on about? 
Do they brag about numbers? You know, we've had 5,000 dogs come through and we guarantee, you know, the results. Again, mm -mm, it's not about numbers and they can't guarantee results because every dog is different. Do they tell you you need to change um, your dog's collar or your harness to a choke prong, a choke or a shock or a halty? Because bear in mind, a halty is, is not a good, um, it's not a good, uh, you can't even call it a collar because it's flipping fits on the face, but it's not good for their spine, their neck. It limits how they can breathe because it closes their mouth down. Again, you shouldn't be using those kind of things, but the actual should change from what you're currently using, which ideally harnesses are the way to go, proper harness uh, and a properly fitted harness, then again, off your list. And then you need to ask this. Now, what is it that you are going to do when my dog, if my dog doesn't do the right behavior, what are you going to do? That's, that's what you need to listen. Find out if there's what, what they do. Is there a, a horrible consequence? What is it that they do? And then also ask them, what do you do when my dog does the right behavior as well? And also, this is really important. How will you know if my dog is stressed? What do you look for in a stressed dog? Now, it would behoove you as a pet parent to learn about some body language. I mean, you'll, you'll, you know so much already because, hello, your dog lives with you. So you can always tell when there's some kind of a change or your dog's looking stressed out or frightened. But I think there are even more cues that you could really learn and then ask them, what, what do you look for? If they can't answer you with the correct answers of, you know, a stressed dog could display this, 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 and this, they probably don't know anything about body language, which I think is the first thing you should ever do as a trainer is understand body language. Right. So next thing, reviews. So, you know, you've got all your questions. I'm going to tell you the organizations you need to look at, uh, the resources for that. But say you've put all this together, then you can start looking at reviews and references. But after you've done all of this homework, it should not be the first thing. And, and, and I think that's just, it gives you another perspective of that trainer. First of all, ask for references. If they won't give you references off the list, also be aware if it looks like a fake reference because that happens too. You can check Yelp and their Facebook and their social media pages for their reviews and, and pay attention to them. If someone says, my dog was not the same dog when it came back, it was fearful, uh, you'll, get, you'll get another snapshot of that trainer. Here's another thing. Why you should question your friends, your vet groomer and pet store owner when they recommend a trainer. When any of these people recommend a trainer, ask them the same questions you're going to ask the trainer. Say, hey, who are they certified with? Is a trainer a, a, a legitimate business? Are they licensed, bonded, insured? Do, do you know if they use aversive techniques and tools? Is it a board and train facility? Is it just my dog who get, gets trained without me? And so you get the picture there. More than likely, you'll make them question themselves. Because <laughs> just liking someone doesn't mean they're a good trainer. That's a nice thing to have. Uh, I, I guess a cherry on, 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 on the top. But that's the last thing is, you know, it can't be the first thing. But they're really nice. That's not a, that doesn't tell you anything about that trainer. Also, check out their social media videos and images. Like I said, if you understand that you, sh you should be avoiding alpha roles, helicoptering over a dog, intimidation, look to see what they're wearing um, on their neck. Have a good look. Do they have a bandana covering a shot collar? That's a bit of a trick. Then, you know, that's going to give you another angle to look at. Um, and that, just as I was instructed to go and look at the videos, I did. And guess what? <laughs> I saw shot collars, prong, choke collars. I saw some weird equipment in the back. I didn't really know what it was. I saw a dog whose neck was covered with the, the widest bandana ever in life, obviously covering up a shot collar. You could see it. Uh, it again, it's, it's a red flag. And then look for those red flag uh, words that they use, pack leader, dominance, commands, show them, show them you're the boss. Listen to what they're saying on these videos because uh, it's going to give you a bigger picture. Now, here are the credentials. This is what you need to be looking for, my friends. Um, I want you to know that not all credentials are created equal. <laughs> some certified organizations still promote the use of aversive techniques and equipment because sometimes it's just about membership dollars. You have to know that. And there are many associations out there. But if you actually go to their website, you'll be able to read their ethics and conduct and see if they advocate for any of those aversive types of training and tools. Um, these organizations, as I say, often are about membership dollars. Uh, 
but there is one place you can go with absolute confidence, and that is the Professional Pet Guild. What you do is you pop in your zip code, and away you go, or your postal code, like we say in England. Uh, we have four in our area. I know them, <laughs> and they're the people I refer people to, only four in my area. I'm sure you'll find one. Um, this is their statement. They said, here at PPG, we believe that pets can be trained without the need of using shock, prong, or choke, and or the application of pain, force, and fear. Simple as that. Another place you can go, uh, you can visit Victoria Stillwell's site and look for a trainer. You can go to the International School of Canine Psychology. You can go to the Karen Pryor Academy, uh, the Academy Academy of Dog Trainers. You can go to ICANN, which is the International Companion Network, to search for a trainer as well. And, of course, I mentioned Linda Michaels earlier. She's a phenomenal trainer. You can uh, most certainly reach out to Linda. And as I say, well, we've got four in our area, but they're the ones that I, I recommend. Um, I'm going to just scroll through. Here we go. Uh, they just believe that, you know, PPG believe you can train your dogs without using these techniques and and, that the, and these tools that harm your dogs. And, and proof of that is in the little dog trainer on YouTube. Have you seen her? Oh, my gosh. She's maybe 11. She's called the little dog trainer. She's maybe about 11 years old. And check out her videos on YouTube. She's She's got a fairly big dog, actually. Um, watch the videos. And if you if you watch those videos, you're going to go, you know what? That's pretty amazing. Positive reinforcement training does work. There's, no one can argue that. And she's a little girl. <laughs> and she's she's brilliant. And I, I was just, when I saw her, I thought, I, this girl's great. She's cute on the video, too. She's really cute. And she says things, you know, kids just say things straight up, honest. That's what I like about her videos. She's like, no, we train them in a positive way. We don't harm our animals. I'm like, yes, I love this girl. And of course, I'm going to link all this stuff in the show notes. Um, now, here's a question. If the little dog trainer can train her big dog, then have you asked yourself, do I really need a trainer? Because I want you to be empowered to make your most informed decisions you can when it comes to training your dog. But let's not overlook the fact that you can train your own dog and you can get started today by joining Linda Michaels Do No Harm Dog Tra Training Group on Facebook and pick up a copy of her book. It's of the same name, Do No Harm Dog Training. It's a brilliant group of people who are so helpful and supportive when you ask questions. You'll learn so much. You'll gain some friends in there. Um, people are very respectful uh, to each other. And think of it this way. If you do decide to train your own dog, you'll both get to learn together and build your bond together and I mean is there anything any better than that in all honesty and as I said Linda Michaels she's a dog behavior consultant she's in Del Mar actually and she studied psychology animal behavior at San Diego State University can't think of a nicer place to do that and she recently um, the uh, the pet professional Accredi accreditation board she was recently um, named where's Linda's name she was recently named, um, oh, why can't I find it? Uh, it's the, actually, it's the first ever graduates of the pet industry's only results and science-based accreditation program for force-free training and pet care. And she's part of that. Amazing, really amazing. We're getting somewhere now, people. And um, as I say, there's quite a few resources there, but you will just go to those sites, you will you know, put in your zip code, postal code, and you'll be able to find yourself a trainer. Now, once you've selected your trainer, um, if they've got a facility, ask for a tour of the facility, if they've got one. Have a good look around. Look for anything that looks weird, that doesn't fit the criteria of, of a, of a forcery trainer. Because <laughs> you know, your homework's not done yet. <laughs> uh, so at this point, I've given you tons of red flag things to look for, you know, uh, when you go to these facilities, bandanas and dogs, weird equipment odd words that they use because by now you know what they are and uh, just a few things to highlight about what reward-based positive reinforcement training is it's it's better for the animal's welfare then and welfare needs to be at the forefront of everything we do with animals um it doesn't involve scaring shocking choking depriving forcing or intimidating your dog uh, you are going to see results it's fun for you it's fun for your dog and provides so much enrichment which i think Dogs are not getting enough enrichment these days. I think dogs are pretty bored, to be honest, and people need to do a little bit more with them. Training's a great way to enrich their lives every day. Because think about that on a human level. When you master something or, or you do, you know, you're doing something so positive and you get these positive rewards, on a human level, you master something or you do a great job and you're rewarded for it. You're so happy. You want to do more, you know. So your dog's going to learn a behavior in exchange for reward and praise. And they, they pick up on that very quickly. 
Now, people will say, gosh, I was surprised how quickly my dogs learn new things because of this reward-based training that they've been engaging in. And they said it got quicker the, the more they did it when they introduced new things. So you are for sure going to strengthen your bond with your dog. You're teaching your dog what to do, like we mentioned at the top of the show. And if you want a certain behavior, for example, you don't want your dog to jump on you, but you have to show your dog what that is. Because pushing a dog away and saying, no, get down, doesn't work. <laughs> that, how does that even translate? Get down. Okay, whatever. So you've got to show your dog what is what you want from them. Um, I will say we'll definitely teach you some patience and you're going to need that when it comes to exercise. Um, be careful not to, what you say, we say flood your dog with too much at once, overwhelming that they're like, ah, it's just too much. You know, just make sure that you're not wearing, wearing your dog out when you're doing these training sessions so you can do short ones often throughout the day. Because without patience, I think this is why people fall into the trap of using these aversive methods like shark collars. They want a quick fix. It often becomes a bigger problem due to the fact that it doesn't teach a new or modified behavior. It suppresses a behavior, makes a dog fearful. So don't mistake behavior suppression for behavior modification. You want modification. And that's that's why I needed to do this show to show you, help you wade through all this crazy information. And of course, I'm only scratching the surface when it comes to training. Trust me. <laughs> if you get in Linda's group, you will just be amazed how much there is to learn in these groups. Um, but I want to help you, you know, at least be able to be armed with some information so you can make an informed choice. Um, and this is where your gut comes in. Be particular with who your dog gets to have a relationship with. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, who is surrounding your dog? You know, when it comes to groomers, the daycare, trainers, the vet, you've got to be very particular and you've got to be comfortable with them as well. Not just your dog, but both of you. Um, and I think it's time just not to be afraid to ask questions. You know, you're, you're your pet's biggest advocate, you're their only advocate. Now, there's a dog trainer called Mark uh, Qureshi and uh, he's the Force Free Dog Training Academy. And he wrote this, when I look at a dog of any breed, I see a direct descendant of mankind's best advocate in the history of the world. They helped feed us, protect us and gave us companionship valued beyond what words can ever express. The least we can do is educate ourselves with facts, not myths, and teach and love them without fear or pain. And I think that's a perfect statement. Now, as part of this um, show, I've created a dog trainer checklist. So you'll be able to download that in about a week's time. And that'll help you just check those things off. And so you can find the perfect person. But remember, you're training your dog with the help of a trainer, not the other way around. You're going to question everything. You're going to be armed with your information. You're going to, going to observe and you're going to listen and, and not be fearful to ask questions. And you're going to listen to your gut because you are your dog's guardian. So I do hope that all that information has helped you somewhat because um, it's a lot to navigate. It's just a lot to navigate. And sometimes you just think, how do I even start? I don't even know what I'm supposed to be asking for. Well, hopefully I've given you the perfect outline for how to find that correct, <laughs> correct, uh, correct trainer for your dog, the one that's certified, the one that listens to you, the one that includes you. So, so there you go. It's a lot of info, but as I say, I'm on his so it's like an iceberg. There's twice as much underneath, my friends. There's twice as much underneath. But um, that, but like I say, you know, there's no reason to say you can't train your own dog. This is the gym. I mean, well, you can train your own dog. But uh, make sure you're armed with the right right information first, you know. What? Yeah, I mean, it's a... What? You know, sometimes it speaks of, okay, we want, just want to get someone to train our dog because we don't have time to do it <sighs> ourselves or we can't be bothered, you know. Yeah. And it's like, and that leads to I tell you something either using like say a shot collar or something like that, or just getting rid of the dog. That happens a lot. In fact, I've had a friend reach out this week. She's pretty frustrated with a family that well, we want to get puppy, want to get puppy, and she said they just don't have time. They don't have time, and they're not going to train it. And sure enough, they got a puppy, and she asked me for a recommendation, gave the best trainer in town, but they wanted it to go faster. <laughs> and they they were contemplating a board and train. Oh, well, um, you know, my mother-in-law sent her dog off to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, probably ruined her dog. But you see, that's, that's usually what happens. And I think when we come from also a rescue perspective, we see that. We're like, oh, here, here it comes. Impatient, no time, don't want to be involved, just make it happen. Someone just needs to train this dog. And it just doesn't work that way. It ends up with, it just, just, you end up with a mess. 
And if you've got a puppy, you've got an opportunity to start from scratch. You know, start right from the very beginning, positive reinforcement training, make the effort. The animals are worth it. I think when you make, you say I'm bringing an animal into my life, it's a massive commitment and you need to honor the commitment. You just need to. That's that. That's your responsibility. But um, she did manage to, she was really stressed out over it and she did manage to say, no, stick with the trainer, stick with the trainer. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, you know. I'm, I would not be surprised though if we're here. Oh, they need to rehome their dog. Oh, we had a we had a puppy, and it took what two weeks of attention. I think it was ten days to potty train, fully potty train. That was that. <laughs> Food motivated, uh, lots of praise, like it was a party every time they went out. You know, went out. Ten days. It, it's it's not a, it's not a big sacrifice. Trust me, my friends. Just for the potty train, it was not a big sacrifice <laughs> at all, and. Uh, it's worth it. Stick through it. I, th I think we are, though. Uh, uh, you know, the society does like things to be fixed straight away and quickly. And I'm like that with certain things. But certain things just take time. It's like saying, okay, I want to grow some apples. Grow faster. <laughs> no, the apple is going to grow at its own rate. Be patient. <laughs> well, I do hope all this information has helped you. And I will have that checklist up in about a week's time for everyone. We'll share it, of course, on our Facebook page and uh, the links that I've mentioned in this show. And I think uh, we're good. I think we're good, Jim. I think that's today's show. There's nothing more to be said. It's very content-driven. It is definitely content-driven. I said lots of research for the show, reached out to tons and tons of trainers. And um, as I say, I have a list of four for, for the Las Vegas area. Hopefully, we'll get more and more people that uh, go into... Uh, training, getting certified with the, some of these great organizations and hopefully we'll have more to choose from. But four's great for now. I'm glad we've got someone. Uh, well, that's it. Remember, you can help an animal in need, either rescue, adopt, donate, volunteer, share their information or train them properly with positive reinforcement. Rescue your next family member, replace the word shop with adopt and be kind to all animals. Thank you, Jim, for... Um, Running the show. It's much appreciated every single week. Thank you very much for that compliment. <laughs> you're I welcome. do it anyhow. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank and you very uh, much. would you please take a moment and everyone just go ahead and like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to post pics of your pets on our page. We love to see your fur babies. Tell us their names and what, what it is you love about them. And today you've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio, where it's all about pets, people, and pop culture. I'm your host, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. And always kiss your pets good morning and good night. And I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. You've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Visit Vegas Rock Dog Radio for more information. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe on iTunes and iHeartRadio. And remember, give your fur babies a big kiss from me, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. You must not rely on the information in this broadcast from our hosts as an alternative to medical advice from your veterinarian. If you have any specific questions about a medical matter regarding your pets, you should consult your veterinarian or specialist. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.